2: Many years ago, back in 1994, God's Bible School and College in Cincinnati, Ohio, decided that rather than have an evangelist come in for their fall revival, they would just use their own employees to preach the different services. One of those employees was Fred Wingham, and he preached a message that he titled Sacrifice. I know you're going to enjoy this excellent message. Been praying that God would move on us in a simple way. I want the presence of Jesus more than anything else in my life. Reading about E. Stanley Jones, he was talking about his father was a missionary in India. He said his father had a Model T Ford that he would drive around from village to village preaching the gospel. He said he was out in one village and he had a flat tire. <clears throat> he had no, no way of fixing the flat tire. So being a missionary and an innovator that he was, he got an idea. He took the tire off the wheel, he filled it with straw, put it back on, and it worked pretty well and drove him home. In fact, it worked so well that he decided that he just kind of forgot about fixing the tire and it had come time to go to another village. He had another flat tire, but this time he knew what to do. He filled it with straw. Pretty soon he had all four tires filled with straw running around preaching the gospel but then one day he was out in a village and the engine died so he got another idea he, got a, he hired an Indian man with a yoke of oxen to pull him home and that worked so well he decided not to fix the engine well he had a car but he didn't have an engine and he didn't have any air in the tires it kind of reminded me sometimes of our services we have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We can preach profound messages, but if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not upon us and not with us to open our hearts, then all we're doing is giving a speech. We can sing wonderful songs with wonderful talent, but if the Holy Spirit is not with us, all it is is performance. I prayed tonight that God will help us In his simplicity, that we will remember the gospel of Jesus Christ in its simplicity. I want to come back to that subject tonight of sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Most of us here could quote these verses by heart. When I first found out that I was scheduled to preach tonight, I thought a lot about preaching about shipwreck. Because we've seen so many over the years from Bible college, who start well, but something happens. They're shipwrecked. But as the week wore on, I began to realize that the Lord wanted us to think about this particular passage of Scripture. So here we are, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We see so little sacrifice in these days. We do so little sacrifice. We know so little about sacrifice in the affluent age that we're living. Yes, things are tough in certain areas and certain areas of business, but yet it seems that we're living in a day of trying to gain materially. Seems like we fit the description of the man whose barns wouldn't hold all that he had of his increase. And so he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns, that I'll have more room to store my goods. But yet today, the Apostle Paul's words are ringing out and ringing true, and ringing as a message for us here tonight, I believe. And for young people especially, regardless of what your age, but tonight the most of us are young, so we're talking to young people. He says, I beseech you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Isn't it a wonderful opportunity that we have to be a Christian? Isn't it a wonderful privilege to be a Christian? I grew up in a holiness church right down the river about 75 miles down on the Kentucky side of the river. And I grew up in that church. I heard evangelist after evangelist, and as a small boy, I would often go to the altar because I was afraid of the results if I didn't. I remember those times and I developed an attitude, a mindset that serving God was a drudgery. It was something that we had to do out of duty. And I carried that attitude on into adulthood, And even after I become a Christian, after I was an adult and God set my feet on the rock and established my goings, I was still approaching serving Christ in that way, in that manner. And then one day I was working on a job, construction job. A new man came on the job and he came to work on my crew and he started to tell a dirty joke. I looked at him and I said, I don't want to hear that joke. And in a few minutes, the other fellow said, He's a Christian. And he apologized to me. He said, I didn't know you were a Christian. I don't know what it was or what the association was, but all of a sudden it dawned on me that serving Christ is not merely a duty, it's not a drudgery, but it's a wonderful privilege that we have. And in this matter of presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God, It's not something that we should hold back and dread to do because it's such a terrible thing to do, but it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful privilege that we have to serve God in this way. What does it mean to sacrifice? Well, is it material sacrifice? That's usually the place that we start. And certainly sacrifice of any kind is sacrifice and it's pleasing unto the Lord if it's done in the right spirit and the right attitude and for the right purpose. Sacrifice for sacrifice sake, there is no blessing. I've seen some people sacrifice material things only to lay up a large bank account for themselves. Uh, never could get enough. Never knew when they had enough in the bank for the future. They always thought they might need it. While at the same time they were living in poverty. I don't believe that sacrifice for those reasons are a benefit. But when it comes to serving Christ, as i told our students in Taiwan, if you want to get rich and you're wanting to make a lot of money, the following Christ is probably not going to uh, bring in those things for you if that's what you want. Because as we as Christians and in the Lord's work, the first thing that we need to realize is that we give up some things. We give up some opportunities that would benefit us materially we're sacrificing in this way but you know material sacrifice is not the greatest sacrifice there's something far beyond I was getting ready to go as a missionary for the first time I gave notice on my job that I would be leaving at a certain time a fellow there asked me, he said, well what about these islands that you're going to? do they have electricity? I said no. do they have paved roads? I said no Well, he said, what do they have? And I said, well, they have a lot of mosquitoes and a lot of dust. And he said, well, it's not for me. You can go if you want, but I'm going to stay here and enjoy the finer things of life, he said. I got to thinking about those words. I don't believe that that man knew what it means to enjoy the finer things of life. For you see, when we went to those islands, I don't remember those sacrifices It was tough living there. All we had for lights was kerosene lamps. Not the lanterns at first, but kerosene lamps. Had to be cleaned every day, a dirty, filthy job. And if your eyes were good enough and you got them clean enough, at night you might be able to read if you held your book just so. I remember the mosquitoes. We fought mosquitoes. We fought rats. We fought roaches. We fought a lot of dirt and we fought the devil. But you know, those things just kind of fade in the background. For God came and sent a mighty revival to those islands in those days. God came in such a way that we enjoyed the blessings of God that I long again to see those blessings like we saw in those days. At one particular revival meeting we were having the Spirit of God moved in such a way that the people were talking about it all up and down the village. You would go down the road the next day and people standing together in little groups talking and they were talking about how God was moving up at the Lighthouse Church. That's what I remember and that's what I associate with the finer things of life, the material things that we have, the house that we live in, the car that we drive, the little material sacrifices that we have to make, they are of no consequence if we can only enjoy the blessings of God and see how he comes and how he moves. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? This is something far different than the Old Testament dead sacrifices that were offered. This is not something that we die for, but this is something to live for. One young lady down at the altar praying and crying, Lord, I'll die for you, I'll die for you, I'll die for you. Finally, the old Quaker brethren slipped up and said, young lady, Maybe it's not that God wants you to die, but rather that He wants you to live for Him. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice every day. We go out and face the challenge of the world, giving our lives for the sake of the gospel and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, uh, one of the early church fathers said it this way. He said, We say because our hand has not been raised to strike our neighbor that we've offered a sacrifice. He said, we say because our eyes have not been lifted to look upon the sensual pleasures of this world that we've offered a sacrifice. And he said, we say because our tongues have not been critical of other people that we've offered a sacrifice. He said, but these things are not the sacrifice that Paul, Paul is talking about, but rather the apostle Paul is talking about something far greater. For you see, this is just the starting place. Certainly we don't want to raise our hand to strike our neighbor or to look lustfully after the world or to speak critically of our neighbors. But that's only the starting place. That's not a living sacrifice. That's something that's dead. That's passive. That's just the beginning. Yes, I'm thankful tonight that there is a living sacrifice that we can offer to our blessed Savior. Today we in the church, we're a lot like it happened this past summer Just a few weeks ago over here in Brown County, young fellows out playing, a young fellow out beside of the car land surfing, whatever that means. But in the process, he hit a mailbox and was injured severely. Instead of the guys in the car taking him to the hospital and caring for him, they left him laying in the ditch and he died there without proper attention. You know, that reminds me so often here in the church We so often, we see it, we miss opportunities to help people. We leave them laying in the ditch simply because we have a mistaken ideal that somehow because I'm a good church member and because I'm pushing the program and because I, I am offering a passive sacrifice to God that God is pleased. But you know, there's more to offering a living sacrifice. We shouldn't be satisfied with the passive. We come to church like the good Levite. We pay our tithes like a good Pharisee. We show up for clean-up day at camp once a year. We do a few other little things. But God wants much more if we're going to offer as a living sacrifice. Until we're willing to lift our hand to help the fallen. Until we're willing to use our eyes to see what needs to be done and to set about doing it. Until we're willing to use our tongue to speak the gospel. Not a thousand tongues, but the one tongue that God has given us. To speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not living as a living sacrifice unto God until we're willing to give 100%. There was a rich young ruler came to Jesus one day saying, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Honor thy father and thy mother. And the young man must have breathed a sigh of relief for he said, all of these things have I kept from my youth up. But Jesus said, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's one more thing that you've got to do. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. The rich young ruler went away sad. He missed a wonderful opportunity, the greatest investment opportunity that ever passed his way. But he missed it and went away sad because he wasn't willing to follow the voice of Jesus. Well, you know, we cling to these things on this earth. We cling to security in one way or the other. I've known people that wouldn't launch out in to serve God because they couldn't leave their retirement plan. I've known people that wouldn't go to pastor that church because they couldn't leave their house that they were living in. I've known people with all kinds of excuses. We want to cling to these material things for somehow we feel that they provide some security in our lives not realizing that Jesus is the only security that we need and the only real security that we'll ever have. I've never known many rich people in this world, but I've known a few poor people, known a lot of poor people, and I found out that poor people cling to their possessions sometimes far greater uh, than the rich man. A few years ago when I was here before, part of my duties at camp meeting time was to take care of the parking lot. Park the cars. That was some interesting days. Here was a guy rolled up in an old car. The old car was so old and it rattled. I think the fenders were rattling and everything was rattling. He rolled up in it and we said, okay, just leave your keys and go on to service. We'll take care of your car. But he didn't want to walk away from his old car. He said, boys, he said, take care of my car. I'm afraid somebody's going to steal my car if I leave the keys. Well, he didn't have to worry. I don't think anybody would have bothered his car. I think he, I think he had been hauling baby calves or something in his car. <clears throat> when I got in, I, I almost got back out. I said, well, here, you take it. <laughs> but there he was. He said, you can't drive my car. And I said, well, if it's got wheels on it, I can drive it. He, he got out and went over a few steps and folded his arms, and he said, okay, drive it. And I got in, and I couldn't even get it started. He had a special button under the seat That you had to push before it would start He was protecting his old car I guess it was the only one he had And it was valuable to him to bring him to camp meeting But then wasn't it ironic That then the next car that pulled into the parking lot Was a Mark VI Lincoln Continental And the man rolled out of that car (laughs) And he said there it is boys Take care of it I'll be back after a while Didn't seem a bit more concerned than anything. You know, don't we hold so dearly to our few little material possessions that we have? You know, a young lawyer came to Jesus. He wanted to demonstrate his intelligence because they had been trying to trap Jesus in his words. And it was his turn, and I suppose back in conference somewhere, they said, okay, give me a chance. I'll trap Jesus in his words. And so he went to Jesus and he said, Master... What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, What is it that you see in the Scripture? You tell me. You answer your own question. And he said, To serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, You got that right. You're right so far. You got 100%. But then the lawyer must have smiled with a self confident smile on his face and said oh yes but who is my neighbor Jesus didn't answer him directly but he gave this illustration he said there was a man that was traveling between Jericho and Jerusalem he fell among thieves he was robbed he was uh, all of his uh, possessions were taken away he was beaten up and left in the ditch for dead then came a priest I don't know where that priest was going I've often wondered where that priest was going Maybe he was going to a seminar somewhere to learn how to be a better priest, to offer the sacrifices in a more efficient manner. I don't know where he was going. But he was supposed to be a religious man, but he couldn't contaminate himself. He couldn't get his hands dirty. He was used to the passive dead sacrifice. He wasn't going to be a living sacrifice. He passed by on the other side of the road and went his way. Then came a Levite. Where was he going? I don't know. Someone suggested maybe the Levine was going to prayer meeting and must have said in his mind, Poor fellow, I'm going to have to remember to request prayer for this poor man. Went on his way, stopped by the phone desk and put in his prayer request. Then came the Samaritan. The Samaritan riding on his donkey or walking beside of his donkey, he didn't stop, pull out his flip phone and dial 911 for somebody to come and assist. He was 911. He was the only help that this poor fellow was going to get. He got off of his donkey, got down in the ditch, cleaned the poor fellow up, lifted him up, put him on his donkey, took him to the inn, pulled money out of his pocket, and said, Take care of him. And when, if he needs more, when I come again, I will repay. Now, Jesus said, Which of these three was neighbor unto him? Of course, the answer is obvious. The Samaritan was. It wasn't the priest, it wasn't a Levite, but it was the Samaritan, the one who wasn't supposed to be, who became the living sacrifice that Paul is admonishing us to be. Whoever needs our help, our neighbor down on the corner, people without the gospel on the other side of the world, wherever it is. But you know, if you can't be a neighbor to those around about you, you'll probably not be a neighbor and a very good preacher of the gospel to those on the other side of the world. I've seen it tried a few times. When we were in the islands, we were so close to the United States, we had a lot of visitors. Sometimes we thought that our main duty was entertaining visitors, but we enjoyed every one of them that came. However, I saw some people who come, they didn't do anything in the States. They never handed out a track. They never taught a Sunday school class. They never volunteered to do anything. But yet they would get on an airplane and come down to the islands and they would have a handful of tracks and they would start passing out tracks all around the airport. And up the road we would go. They would be wanting you to stop the pickup truck so they could give out a few more tracks. But then in a day or two, their batteries kind of run down. And uh, pretty soon on the way to the airport to take them so they could fly away, they would reach in their bag. Oh yeah, here's some more tracks. I didn't get them, give them out. Maybe you can give them out. You see, it takes more than a plane ride to make a missionary. It takes more than a plane ride to give you a burden for the lost. If we can't be the living sacrifice here in our own backyard, we'll never be the living sacrifice on the other side of the world. I think about when my wife and I were young Christians. There was a Christian lady that took us under her wing and she fried hamburgers for us. She did all kinds of things for us, and pretty soon we realized that it wasn't only us that she was caring for and nurturing along in the gospel, but she was also interested in those in the community. It was in the days of the hippies, and she found an inroad somehow or other into the hippie community, and she began to invite some hippies to come and eat Sunday dinner with her. And then she began to invite them, well, why don't you come to church and then come on home after, after church and eat Sunday dinner? and she had some good success pretty soon some of those young people begin to get saved and there's a pastor's wife today as a result of that lady snatched a brand from the burning out of the hippies community there's a young man up here in ohio that was saved as a result of that lady's efforts there's a pastor another in another place down south here that's working and laboring doing a good job for god who was redeemed by that lady's efforts She wasn't a preacher's wife. She wasn't really a Sunday school teacher. She just felt that she could help in some way. And you know what she was? She was the living sacrifice that the apostle was talking about. If we ever want to see revival, we're going to somehow have to get back to these words of the apostle Paul and to follow these words of living sacrifice. I have a friend of mine who loves to have a motorcycle. He can't afford a big one, but he's always got a little one around somehow. Honda 90, Honda 110, sometimes a 250. One time he decided to ride his Honda 250 all the way to Alaska. Brother Miller was talking about him already. <laughs> he's riding along and wherever he would stop, he would get to talking to these other motorcycle riders. He didn't make it to Alaska, by the way. He got to South Dakota, turned around and came home. <laughs> That's a long ways on a 250. (laughs) But you know what Mark would do? He would get on his bike and go down to the local restaurant and get a cup of coffee. And here would be a guy riding a big Harley Davidson, maybe not a Hell's Angel, but dressed like one. Mark didn't care. He'd begin to talk to him and begin to make friends with him, talking about their bikes. Then one day he found a hungry motorcycle rider, and this guy fit the picture exactly. Here he was with long hair, long beard, <clears throat> leather jacket, bumper stickers all over his motorcycle and his pickup truck that you wouldn't want to care to read. But Mark invited him to church. He came to church, and he got hungry for God. He got saved. He began to clean up, <clears throat> scraped all of his bumper stickers off of his motorcycle and his pickup truck. He cut a haircut. He took off his leather jacket, and he began to walk with the Lord. You know That's what we're going to have to get back to if we're going to see any progress today. The present condition of the church is such that we haven't got much to look forward to. Last year I traveled doing missionary deputation, some of the most discouraging time of my Christian ministry, going from church to church. A few old people sitting around here or there, no young people hardly ever. Somebody said there's a church over there that's really growing and I knew the pastor, I called him, I went, and I found out that yes, it was growing, but it was growing because people were dissatisfied with their other churches. There was nobody new in the church. Unless we get back to the fact that we've got to win the lost world to Jesus, we have little hope. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be a living sacrifice. A few years ago, I picked up the autobiography of Christian Bernard, Christian Bernard, that famous medical doctor from South Africa the one who pioneered the heart transplant who did the very first heart transplant in the world Christian Bernard was not a Christian but he threw himself into his medical work with a passion and he literally gave his life for the cause of mankind he not only was famous for his heart transplant but he was famous for a lot of other procedures that he developed too And I read that and I thought, if here's a man who can give his life literally for the cause of medical science, certainly certainly, we as Christians ought to be willing to give our bodies to Christ to be used as he would see fit. We've read about David Livingston, David Livingston with his vision for the continent of Africa, his burning desire to win the lost in Africa to Christ, the privation that he suffered, the malaria that he suffered, Uh, One time he was attacked by a lion and mauled his shoulder and from then on the rest of his life he suffered agonizing pain every day. The time in David Livingston's life came when he realized his children were growing up in a heathen environment without a proper education. So he went down to the Cape, (coughs) put his wife and children on an old sailing vessel, sent them off to England to be educated and his wife to take care of them. David Livingston, it was four years, four months, and 22 days before David Livingston saw his wife and children again, A sacrifice for the gospel. He knew he was called to preach the gospel. He had a passion for the lost, and he was willing to make whatever sacrifice was necessary to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they could do that, couldn't we offer the little that we have for Jesus We're not living under the law. We're living under grace. Grace demands that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices unto God. Where are those who are willing to be living sacrifices? Thank God we see one here and one there. But yet the words of the scripture are so true when Jesus said many are called but few are chosen. Yes, the altars line from time to time. But where is it, who is it that we could put our finger on that's really going to become the living sacrifice? The one who is going to sell out completely and take the way with God and give their lives totally over to Jesus Christ to be used and commanded by the Holy Spirit. It is only the living sacrifice that's going to make an impression upon this world. Where are those today who are willing to go and sacrifice? I was impressed when I was here before Brother Glenn Betts, a missionary down in Mexico, there he was clearing off a piece of ground trying to build a church. A tree jumped off of a stump and took his leg off. Brother Glenn came home long enough to be fitted up with an artificial leg and foot back to the mission field at the very first opportunity that he had. Thinking about another lady My wife and I were invited to dinner by some friends and they invited some other people that we didn't know. But as we were eating dinner, getting to know these other people, we realized that they had been missionaries in the deserts of Eritrea. The lady went on to say that she was blind in one eye. That while she was there, a parasite, a painless parasite, had gotten in her eye and completely destroyed the vision of one eye before she even knew that there was any problem. Well, she looked at us with tears in her eyes, and she said to us, I would gladly give the sight of my other eye if I could see the lost people of that country come to Jesus. And I said, Oh, Lord, help me. Where is my sacrifice? Would I be willing to make those sacrifices? A few years ago, I I had some responsibilities of directing FEA missions. And there was a young couple that came to us who wanted to go to the mission field and they were approved to go. And as they were getting ready to go, some friends of theirs came to me and they said, Brother Wingham, do you realize that if that young couple go to the mission field, that they are going to have to sell everything that they own to be able to go? And that touched my heart. I don't like to have to see people sell everything that they have. But really though, when it comes down to it, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that the sacrifice that we're supposed to be willing to make? Willing to sell all that we have and follow Jesus? Well, you know I haven't seen it happen very many times. But the few times that I've seen people sell out and go with God and give everything that they have to go with God, I've never seen them disappointed and I've never seen them lack anything. God is always faithful. He supplies the needs, and He supplies it every time. The greatest sacrifices that we're called on to make are not always material sacrifices. Sometimes standing before unfriendly officials in various places, sometimes it seems like they take more from you than your wallet. If you could give them your wallet, it wouldn't be so bad, but sometimes they take away even your dignity, leave you standing wondering, Why in the world am I here? Then you remember the words of Jesus. Jesus has said, Go. He didn't say that it was always going to be pleasant. He didn't say that it was always going to be wonderful. I remember that time standing in the Bahamas down on a little out island. I had just flown down there to keep the church open over the weekend. And there I stood before the official. He said, Why are you here? I said, I've just come to preach in the church tomorrow, going back out on Monday, the Lord willing. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you come this weekend, but if you come back next weekend, I'm going to put you in jail. Those kind of things don't make you feel too good, especially when I was planning to come back next weekend. <clears throat> next Saturday afternoon, I stood before the same official. You see, I was called to do a work. I didn't want to go to a Bahamian jail, but I had a job to do, and the job was to keep the church open. I stood there and he looked at me and he said, Oh, it's you, is it? He took my card and he got out his big stamp and he stamped it. never said another word to me. (laughs) And I was able to preach in the church the next day. Do you feel good? Do you feel like running and jumping and skipping when they take away even your dignity? You stand with your hat in your hand, one foot and then the other, trying to explain why you're there and trying to explain every little detail. No, it don't make you feel good, but Jesus said to go. And all of the other, he'll take care of I'm glad tonight that God is greater than any foe. He will see us through. I remember times down under an old worn-out vehicle, dirty, greasy, trying to get some old part to work that had been worn out a long time ago, trying to get it patched up so we could run the bus uh, for church that night. The devil would come and he'd say, Look, why are you here? The mosquitoes are biting and it's hot and you're dirty and you've got grease all over you and you'll never get cleaned up again. And on and on the list goes. And I begin to listen to the devil. But then after a while, the old bus begins to run and we go up the road and pick up people and come back for service. And God begins to bless. And I can tell you something, the devil is nowhere around. Amen. <laughs> when I travel life's pathway is so rugged and steep, When I pass through the valley so dark and so deep, and when snares for my soul by my foes have been set, Jesus never has failed me yet. (laughs) So I walk by his side through the heat of the day. Where he leads me I follow, his will I obey. For no soul that has trusted him will he forget, for he never has failed me yet. (laughs) Then I'll dread not the future And I'll fear not the foe, for I'm safe in his keeping wherever I go. For no soul that has trusted him will he forget. He never has failed me yet. Well, that's only a third of the message. He also goes on to say, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. May the Lord bless you.
0: That oh. has been passed I don't want